Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal? To help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. Great is His faithfulness. That is so true. And glory to His name for that faithfulness. We're going to talk about that faithfulness really today. You know, uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah 20 today, if you want to go ahead and, and turn there. And a lot of the messages in Jeremiah have been very challenging for, for me, uh, and I don't, know, I don't know how you hear it, but uh, I actually, I don't know that I've ever preached as much in Jeremiah as I have these past few weeks. Usually Jeremiah has been kind of like a, like a Leviticus to me. It's like, I know what's there, kind of, I felt like, and uh, there's a lot of judgment there, so let's go somewhere where there's not so much. But you know, it's incredible when God reveals it to you, how awesome and full of life that the passage is. And, and so he's been doing with Jeremiah, I've very much enjoyed even such a challenging book, having the privilege to be in the book and just kind of have studied through it. So the title of the message today is, is when the will of God doesn't fall in line with what we want to do. So last week we talked about how from different passages over and over again, we see that mankind when it comes to worship struggle, right? We, we struggle to keep ourselves out of the way of what God wants to do in worship. And so we went to Jeremiah, we went to Haggai, we went to Matthew, and we looked at all throughout time how we insert ourselves into the process and try to take control instead of allowing God's spirit and God to move in worship. We have this tendency to say, well, that's a great thing, but we want to do it like this, and we try to control it. And so it, it, we found that throughout the scripture, even in Jesus' day when he was walking on the earth, that mankind did, does this. We, we try to control. Uh, and so, so today we're going to look at what, what a, there are many times it seems like in our life when God's will doesn't really fall in line with what we want. And that could be through a, a variety of things in our life, uh, a calling, maybe something God's asking us to do, but there's all kinds of ways it seems like that things will happen in our life and we say, well, I would rather not do that. I remember I was in uh, a military story today. I try to go back and forth. Uh, you all remember the illustration last week, right? Do you all remember that? No? I thought it would stick with you because of the disgust. That's why I was testing you. Yeah. Uh, so apparently it wasn't as bad. I'll have to find a grocer one next time and we'll do that and see if you... No, I'm kidding. But I was, so I was in, uh, I was in engineer training in the, in the military, y'all know that, and, and I had this wonderful opportunity. I was thinking, this come to mind as I was prepared for this, and I had this wonderful opportunity to uh, be a sapper, possibly be a sapper, which a sapper is like basically kind of the special forces of the engineer branch. And so what they did was they came in and they said, hey, uh, if anybody's interested in possibly becoming a sapper, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity for me as a National Guard soldier, so uh, then we're going to have some extra training to get you ready while you're at Fort Leonard Wood to be a sapper, to have the possibility, you got to pass everything, but to be a sapper. And, and this came after, now, now mind you, you know, basic training, AIT, I had been through a process of, of being yelled at and a lot of physical exertion and a, a lot of unpleasant moments. And so when this opportunity came about and presented itself, it came at a time when I uh, was kind of tired of being yelled at. 
So there were guys that was in the unit that was kind of like, you know, they lived and breathed training. And so they were like, awesome, more ruck marches, longer runs, more yet, like they were, they were so pumped about this opportunity. But I was not one of those guys, okay? I'm all about physical fitness. However, I have a limit apparently. And, and so that was my limit. And, and, and they, they got so motivated, they got so excited. And that realization was, this was maybe the only time, if we wanted to do this and had this opportunity, to be a sapper in the engineer branch, then we needed to do it now because the, the, the states wouldn't fund you going back and doing it later more than likely. But you know, I thought about that decision that I made and I did not want to do that. And so I never even entertained the thought. I said to myself in that moment that I've had enough yelling and enough mistreatment and I've been unpleasant for long enough. I just want to relax a little bit, which it's not really relaxed, but you know what I mean. I mean, I want to I wanna just chill out a little bit. And I did not even entertain the thought. I didn't pray about it. I didn't talk to God at all. As a matter of fact, it was one of those ideas that, that came up, those opportunities. And instead of, it seems like kind of a big deal now, looking back, instead of asking God, God, is this, is this the step you want me to take? In my own personal decision-making, my own self, I just made the call and said, nope, don't want any part of it and didn't even entertain it anymore after that, pretty much. And I thought, I got to thinking about that. How many times do we do that with God? Where, where there will be some kind of an opportunity or some kind of a, a ministry or, you know, one of our many opportunities of a lifetime to share the gospel, but it's in an area that we're very uncomfortable with. And so instead of asking God, hey, God, is this what you want? Would you like me to be a part of this? Would you like me to step out of my comfort zone and step into what you're asking me to do? Instead of inter even entertaining it, we immediately decide ourselves, nope, I can't do this. Not for me. Let's go on to the next thing. Do you think we ever do make decisions like that? Where, where we kind of take control and, and take over a position that's not really ours to hold as born again believers in Jesus Christ. And we say, look, I'm going to go ahead and decide, Lord, I'm not going to seek your will on this one because I know in myself that I'm uncomfortable with this. I know that I'm not, I don't like to speak in front of people. I don't like to, I'm a, you know, and we just go ahead and say, let's move on to the next thing. And I got to thinking about that and I wonder, how many opportunities do you think that we miss because we aren't diligent to take them to God each and every time. Even if it's an area that, that you may not be comfortable with, really God doesn't necessarily need your comfort. He actually operates better sometimes when you're not comfortable. Do you realize that? Like some of the, the greatest ways that I've seen God move has been in the times of most discomfort. Like it's in the times when I, I, I don't have any bear, I can't hold on to anything because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm out of my comfort zone. I'm out of my, and so it's in those moments where I physically can hold on because I don't know what's going on. And God says, but I'm going to show you how amazing that, how faithful that I am. And I see God work in those times of when I am uncomfortable in such incredible ways, but it seems like we avoid those places at all costs because we don't like them. Well, we're going to look at Jeremiah today, and I, 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 want it, I want it to just be real to you today, because what we're going to see out of Jeremiah 20 is we're going to see a guy in the Bible who God is going to use as a prophet in an incredible way. 
But just because he is, has a book in the Bible named after him, just because God's going to speak through him in a powerful way, that doesn't mean that he's still not just a man. That, he, that, he, that he's still not, and, and what we see is that as a man, uh, he struggles with the same things that you and I struggle with when God takes us out of our comfort zone, when God desires uh, to take us out of our comfort zone, to show his glory and his might through us, you're going to find out that Jeremiah is really going to struggle. And you may say, well, but I'm not going to, I probably won't endure things like Jeremiah, but there may be things that God calls you to or what desires you to do outside of your comfort zone that are just as big a deal in your mind as what this is going to be in Jeremiah's mind. And so many times we, I feel like as I read the scripture, you look at guys in there and you think, well, they're kind of bulletproof, right? Like, I mean, they got, their name is in the, like they've got, the Bible is written in parts about, but I want you to see that, that they struggle too. And, and there's a battle going on in their mind, just like there's a battle going on in your mind. And so when, when those opportunities arise and the world comes at you and the enemy attacks you and you're like, just like Michael and Amber Lee were talking about, and you're battling like, I oh, know I need to do it, but I don't want to do it now, but, and you're just going back and forth, they did the same thing. They did the same thing. And we see that in Jeremiah 20, that even though they were mightily called by God, that didn't mean it took away their humanity because they still were men and women in the scripture that struggled just like we do. And so Jeremiah, I want to remind you in Jeremiah chapter one, what God told Jeremiah in his call, because I think it's important that we're reminded of, of this. In verse number 19 of Jeremiah one, this is what God said, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. So God tells Jeremiah, they're going to fight against you, but they will not prevail. So when you and I hear things like that, I know myself, oftentimes maybe it's the thought that, well, then God's going to protect us and that, and that we're not going to struggle and we're not going to suffer. And because we're a child of God, then, then he's just going to, he's going to smooth it out and we're never going to be attacked and physically harmed. And, and perhaps we start thinking all those things, but what we find out is that doesn't necessarily mean that, does it? God, God never said that, that they're not going to physically harm you or that it's not going to be so hard that you're going to forsake of the mission altogether. But what God does say is, I am with thee. So, so the thing is, is that even when the very challenging stuff comes, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. It doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be times that you and I go to God and say, God, why would you ask me to do that? It doesn't mean that that's not going to be a reality. But what it does mean is the faithful father will always be with you, even in those times. You know, it's interesting when the disciples were on the boat and Jesus was there snoozing, Jesus could have stopped the storm from ever hitting the boat, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't stop it until they wake him up from the sleep after they've panicked and they're concerned about the storm. Then 
he wakes up and stops it. And a lot of times you look at that and you say, well, why would you not, if you know it's coming, why would you not just stop it, right? Like, why would you not just, just, just guard the boat so that they don't get panicked and they don't get paranoid, they don't get embarrassed because they're coming to wake you up when you're trying to nap, you know, whatever, and so that they don't get embarrassed. Why, don't, why would you not just stop it there? But that's not always the way that it works. God sends these things. Sometimes these things come along in our life to help grow us, to help try us, and to help us to be stronger in the Lord and for God to show through them his might and his glory. And how many times does that happen? I mean, I think of John 9 with the man born blind. You're like, really? You know, kind of part of our humanity side's like, did he really need to be blind that long? Couldn't you have done it kind of back further so he didn't have to? But no, it was a time. God's timing is always perfect, is always right. So Jeremiah is up to this point. Now we know that when Jeremiah began his ministry, he began his ministry with King Josiah. And King Josiah was a godly king. And so he, he ministered along with King Josiah. And it wasn't that it wasn't hard. It was still hard, but he had a godly king kind of backing him, godly king there with him. But there came a time when King Josiah died during Jeremiah's ministry. And Jeremiah struggled with that. Jeremiah uh, wept, mourned for, for Josiah. He struggled with his passing because after Josiah, there was not another godly king in the southern kingdom, right? Uh, all the rest of them were ungodly and it ended with Zedekiah and Zedekiah was really bad. And so from that point on, things really transitioned for Jeremiah even further down the rabbit hole, if you will. It even got worse, if you will, in our minds for Jeremiah. Now, his godly companion and king had passed on, and now he was dealing with ungodliness in the, on the throne. Now, you all know that when, when you're going through hard times, how much does it help when you got somebody there that's very godly and very solid in their faith? How much does it help for, to hear that voice of encouragement, that voice of truth from a family member, a friend, someone that's fired up in the Lord? It helps tremendously, right? But, when, but think about all that being gone, what that must feel like, you know, because now the guy that he had, there were very few of them seemingly in the kingdom at this time. Now what he had was gone. And so what we see about Jeremiah now is that Jeremiah is getting ready to experience something that he has not experienced up to this point. Up to this point, he had been verbally abused, but they had never laid their hands on him until now. And we find that once they lay their hands on him, it changes. Because it's one thing to be verbally abused, but when you're physically assaulted and abused, it kind of transitions the whole thing, doesn't it? And so in Jeremiah 20, verse number one, look at, look at what it says. We wanna, I want to read the first three uh, or close to it. It says, now Pashur, the son of Emer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. Um, and, and these things, as he ended it all, you know, he basically told about the judgment that was going to come. If we go back into 19, you'll find that. And, and they didn't like that. Now we're, we're, we're at a very ungodly place in the southern kingdom. And it says, then Peshur smote Jeremiah the prophet and put him in the stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. And it came to pass on the morrow that Peshur brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said to Jeremiah unto him, the Lord hath not called thy name Peshur, but big long name that means terror on every side. Magor Misabib, which means terror on every side. So we see that, that for Jeremiah, one of, the, one of the big disheartening things, and it had to be the case, was where did this physical persecution come from? 
from the religion of the day. It came from within the walls, not outside the walls. You see, it adds a whole nother element to it when persecution comes from within versus when it comes from without, doesn't it? Because from within, you're, you're, you have this expectation that you're going to find love and you're going to find support, especially as Jeremiah was preaching and teaching and prophesying the word of God, the literal word as God spoke it, the truth of that word he was proclaiming. And yet in that proclamation, the persecution he found was from within the walls of religion, not from the world. And you, and you see that, that, that Peshura, his role is the, the priest who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord. Now, now we got to think about that in just the reality of it. It's, it's that all, all throughout time, one of the greatest areas of persecution for true believers is the religion of the day, isn't it? One of the greatest persecutions for the people in the New Testament came from Judaism, from the church, from the temple of the day. One of the greatest persecutions, and, and, and a lot of times maybe that you've experienced even in your day, has come from within the walls of the church possibly. Because, and, and when it comes from within the walls of the church, it hits so differently. Because uh, inside the walls, and I've had pastor friends that's went through church splits and things like that, and they are, they are broken, devastated in a way that I have never, because it came from a place that they expected to be encouragement and loving and truth and Christ-likeness, and instead they found just being beaten and condemned and destroyed from within the walls. And it wrecks them. And it wrecks people today as well. Jeremiah said, look, I, I, you know, when he, when he come to terms with this, his, he, he was smote, he was smacked, he was hit by the guy that was within the walls. And the first thing I want you to see is how disheartening it is when it comes from within, with the inside, those that are inside the walls. And, and this happens so many of the times and you say to yourself, how can within the walls, when Jeremiah is speaking the word of truth, why would they persecute him? That's something to think about, isn't it? Why, if the word of truth is being proclaimed within the walls, would persecution come from within with professing believers? But you know, it's not that different today, is it? Because a lot of times it seems like in our, in our world and in our church today, we don't, uh, not, not all people want to hear the truth. Some people want to hear easy messages, want to hear messages that make them feel better, feel good. The whole thing we talked about last week, the consumer-driven culture that we have, they just want you to tell them kind things and encourage and all. But the Word of God, God is, is encouraging, God is loving, but He's also a God of judgment and truth and, and, and grace. And, I mean, He is a complete God, an awesome God, a faithful God, and so so we can't just give part of it without giving all of it, but sometimes it feels like people don't really hunger for the truth, they hunger for what they want to hear that makes them feel better. But you know, we're never going to feel better if we don't get to the truth first. And here's the other thing, the other question to ponder as we talk about this, can you truly be at peace and be satisfied if you're not living in the will of God? You know, it's something to think about because so many times, you know, we do avoid and we do, like Jeremiah here, we're going to find out this is going to break him and we avoid situations like this. We avoid speaking out because this is the kind of stuff that comes from it. But the reality was this was where God wanted Jeremiah to be. This was the mission that God had for him. And we look at that and we say, well, that's an awful hard mission. 
But here's the thing. We don't choose the mission. He does. He doesn't, he doesn't ask me and say, Daniel, what mission would you like to be a part of? Daniel, where do you want me to lead you uh, that will be easy and comfortable for you? I don't counsel God on those things, nor do you. He's the one that chooses the path and the direction for your life. He's the one that's his will that we are following. He's the one that deserves the glory, honor, and praise. He's the one that we worship. And so when it comes to all that, that concept, the missional concept of God, it's not us that chooses it, it's him. And he has every right to do whatever he wants to with any of us, doesn't he? All according to his will and his glory. But it's so easy to lose sight of that. It's such a dangerous thing when persecution comes from within the house. Because that tells us that there's unhealthiness within the house. And when there's unhealthiness within the house, what kind of testimony do you think that presents to the world outside? Because when the world outside looks at the church, the expectation, at least at some, at some points in, the, in, in our time, was that there would be a place of guidance, a place of love, a place that would, would rally around them when they were in trouble or in need or struggling. But so many times, they've not found that. Uh, and so, so many times, instead, what they found is judgment and condemnation. What they found is this kind of, uh, this kind of stuff that Jeremiah's running into when, when they're struggling. Instead of loving on them, we, we look at what they're wearing or how they're acting or how they're talking and we're like, nah, I mean, that just doesn't fit in here. But the reality is, is that that's what needs to be in here, right? Like we, we need to share the gospel with them. We need to love on them. Jesus, if he didn't do that for us, where would we all be? Persecution is going to come. Jeremiah now has been physically assaulted and he's been put in stocks and he comes back out and he's firing from all cylinders still, isn't he? Because God didn't tell him to stop. Now here in a moment, he's gonna try to make a decision on his own. But at this point, God, and, and, and thereafter, God has not told him to stop, so he's still firing. He comes out and he's still, pre now how many of us, after we come out of stocks and after being hit, and after being physically abused, would come out with fires, and guns ablazing, if you will, and just be continuing to proclaim the truth? You know, he even talks about his name. It's not gonna be that anymore. It's gonna be called a name that means terror on every side. And as he carries on down, look at what it says in verse number three. And it came to pass on the morrow that Pasteur brought forth Jeremiah out of the stocks. Then said Jeremiah unto him, the Lord hath not called thy name Peshur, but Magor Misabib. For thus saith the Lord, behold, I will make thee a terror to thyself and to all thy friends, and, and they shall fall by the sword of their enemies. And thine eyes shall behold it, and I will give all Judah into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall carry them captive unto Babylon, and shall slay them with the sword. Moreover, I will deliver all the strength of this city, and all the labors thereof, and all the precious things thereof and all the treasures of the kings of Judah while I will I give into the hand of their enemies which shall spoil them and take them and carry them to Babylon and thou Peshur and all that dwell in thine house shall go into captivity and thou shalt come to Babylon and there thou shalt die and shalt be buried there thou and all thy friends to whom thou hast prophesied lies 
Oh, Lord. And, and, and we have to get this right, right? So he goes over this, and this is the judgment upon his house, because even though he was in the house, he was being disobedient to God. So judgment came. Uh, but then you have to understand that now Jeremiah is in agony here. I, I don't believe this is just like a talking, oh, I think it was a, oh, Lord, like it just an, an agony. Jeremiah was in agony because he comes out of the stocks, and he has to prophesy this judgment upon this guy that just hit him. And and there's so much judgment and there's so much negativity seemingly and Jeremiah is beside himself. So he makes a decision and I believe it's a decision that we can all learn from because God's not going to let him stay there. He says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me and I was deceived. Thou Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. So in agony, Jeremiah cries out and he says, I will not make, he comes to terms with this. All right, God, your will and your call on my life is too hard. There are too many, I've been, I've been physically assaulted now. I wasn't prepared for that. You can, you can see it all turning in his mind, right? Like, I wasn't thinking that, God. You said you would be with me. You said that, that you were right there and you would give me strength and they would come at me, but I didn't think it would be like that. And now I've been attacked. I'm done. I'm done. I think a lot of times, we limit what we do for God because we've been attacked at some time in the past. And we made a decision that we're done. And that's a decision that's not ours to make. Because we, I, 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 didn't, I didn't call you to anything, nor did your family, nor did anyone else, nor did that person that treated you badly. It was God that called you and that led you and that saved you and that redeemed you and he did all for a purpose. So it's not our decision to make. So many times we're like, well, I've been there before. I've shared my faith and someone's made fun of me. I've shared my, they've mocked me. I've shared my, and it's just been a bad experience. And we go through this whole process where we're like, we know what God wants us to do, but it wasn't good before. So we're holding back and we're not turning all to God and we're making the decision ourselves. And that decision is, I'm just not gonna do it. But I want you to know, church, that's not your decision to make. You will not be satisfied trying to do something outside of God's will for your life. You will not be satisfied outside of what God has called you to do. And even though Jeremiah got smacked and got mis mistreated, God's mission for Jeremiah wasn't done. How many of us have been there how many of you have been at that place where you, you just so feel like you like God, even, and it may be something simple. Maybe it's that, that God wants you to clap in worship or to raise your hand or to, uh, to go over to someone in church that you've never talked to before and they're just struggling and just wants you to pray for them. How many of you have been at those moments where God, you see that person outside, I've been here, where, where you feel like God's saying, I want you to share Jesus with them and you're like, I don't, I, it's not me, Lord, like, like can't you send somebody else and, and but God has laid that on your heart and you just keep walking by and you say that's not for me 
How many times have you done that? How many times have I done that? When God has given us a gifting or a mission and we've not used it for his glory, we've not shared our faith like he's called us to, we've made the decision within ourselves that, you know, we, we, are just, uh, we are just done. And the temptation, whenever things get tough and things get uncomfortable for us to just give up, it's not to persevere when all the Bible says is persevere to the end. The Bible over and over again doesn't just say get saved and then you're done. It says give your life to Jesus and follow him and then persevere. On and on and on and know that they persecuted him so they'll persecute you as well. It's not a surprise. He, he prepares us for it if we'll just hear what he's saying. But we've got to be willing to listen. And Jeremiah makes this profound decision. And maybe you've made that same decision in a ministry in this church or, or, or it's something you've been involved with in the past where you said, you know what, this has just gotten too hard and I'm done, God. And, and, and I want us to be reminded today that that is not our decision to make. And look at what happens with Jeremiah. And this is something that's very important for us to see because a lot of times we become satisfied in just doing what we've always done. We become satisfied in just coming and showing up and sitting when God says, hey, I've called you for more. And we wonder why we can't find peace. We wonder why there's no satisfaction. We wonder why we feel like we're, we've not been filled. And it's because you're not going to find that if you're not operating in God's will. You're not going to find that unless you're doing what God has called you to do. Jeremiah makes a decision. He says, I'm done speaking. And if we're honest about it, we would have probably made the decision well before this time, wouldn't have we? How many of you think you would have made it this far? <laughs> I, I doubt that I would have made it this far. But look at, look at what happens. He says, but, in verse number nine, his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. His word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not stay. I could not stay. He said, why could he not stay? Why was it a burning fire? Because that's what God had called him to do. So even though he wants to take control and he wants to say, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop, God says, nah, because my mission's not done for you yet. You're not gonna be satisfied and you're stopping. You're gonna think that you can stop, but you can't stop. I'm gonna make it so unpleasant for you, a burning in your soul until you start speaking for me again. And I can tell you, and if you've ever experienced it, you know, if God has called you to speak or God has called you to serve, when you don't, doesn't it feel kind of like that? Doesn't it feel like something just isn't right? And sometimes it's hard to pinpoint, but I could describe it as this, like something isn't where it needs to be and God doesn't allow us to be satisfied there. But here's the thing, like any other rut, if you fail to listen to God, and you continue driving on that rut, the imprint of that tire, of that treadmark is gonna be stuck right there. And whereas God may, initially, he may try to get your attention and say, listen, I've called you for more. I've gifted you for more. I desire more for your life. If we continue just riding in that and we ignore the direction from God, the Bible talks about quenching the spirit. If we ignore what the spirit is trying to teach us, you're just gonna get deeper and deeper and deeper and pretty soon you're gonna become pretty satisfied you feel like in that rut that you've dug for yourself. 
and you're just going to roll there. And you're going to fail to realize, possibly in this day, not, not forever, what you missed out on that God had in store for your life. Because you've been comfortable and complacent in the rut. But you all know that when you ride through mud, the rut doesn't start deep always, does it? Sometimes it starts very shallow. And, and you know, a lot of times when we, when we decide on ourselves, we're like, hey, you know, I, can't, I just can't do this. It's too comfortable. It's too hard. We may be uncomfortable about it, and I've been there. And we may struggle. When, when I don't talk to that person for the, the first few moments that I know God's leading me to talk to, I'm very troubled about it at first. But as I become settled in my own heart and mind with it, I become rutted in, and then it doesn't bother me near as much. And I get used to being able to just walk by, just walk by, just neglect here, just neglect here. And before you know it, you're way off track, and you're not living where God wants you to be. You're not in the center of his will and you're wondering why is there not peace? I don't know, but I'm just satisfied right here. And you miss out and you miss out and you miss out. You know, the best place for you and I to be is at the center of God's will. Even if that's the place of the heaviest persecution, there's no better place for you to be. It's hard to imagine that, isn't it? You know, we dodge and weave and avoid and we think, man, this is better for us because we're not enduring persecution. We're not being uncomfortable. We're not suffering. When all, as you read the scripture anywhere almost, you find out that God shows himself the greatest sometimes in those times of the most persecution and the most suffering. And we wonder all along, like, why do we not see? Why do we not know? But we just simply sometimes avoid and are unwilling to adjust out of the rut for God's glory and God's purpose. So Jeremiah said he made this, uh, he made this uh, decision on his own. He said, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stop speaking. I'm, this is enough. And God's like, no, you're not. The mission is not done. He didn't call us to part of the mission. He called us to all the mission. And so there was a burning within him. And he said, I could not stay. And then he carries on. And I want you to see Jeremiah's realization in verse 10. It says, for I, I heard the defaming of many, fear on every side, report, say they, and we will report it, all my familiars watched for my halting saying peradventure he will be enticed and we shall prevail against him and we shall take our revenge on him let me tell you I, as I read it I'm like man I feel like that I know people that just want to see you fall do you have have you ever known anybody like that I mean, I, feel, I can completely relate to this. This this feeling that Jeremiah was probably in where he's like, everybody is watching me and they're just waiting. They're waiting. They're saying, we're going to entice him and we're going to lead him away and he'll surely fall. We just got to wait it out. I feel like that I've, I've endured that. I've seen that with my own eyes. In some sense, people that just seem like that they want, you just feel like that that's almost what they're trying to get to happen. But look at what he realizes in verse 11. And I love this because from week to week, I find out so, so many times it seems like that so many of you are going through so many difficult things. 
And, 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 and you know, so many, many of the times there are things that you and I question a lot and we say, God, I just don't understand why you would allow this to happen. I don't understand why you would make this decision. We have a, a young adult's friend that lost, lost a friend that was 24 years old and, he, and I believe there's some struggle there. And I think a lot of times we go through that from week to week, day to day, we say, well, I see this tragedy happen. I see this difficulty happen. God, I'm continuing to struggle myself. Why would you, why is this happening? And we go through this process of trying to figure it out when the reality is we'll never know maybe till glory. But maybe God says, I don't want you to know. I just want you to follow. I just want your obedience. I don't need, and God doesn't owe me his reasoning and rationale every step of the way. He owes me nothing. And in his grace, he's given us Jesus. So he's way ahead of the game of what I'm owed. But yet, so many times it's almost like we live and we, and if God doesn't give us the step by step, and I'm speaking for myself as well, we get completely, uh, we get completely frustrated and we kind of abandon hope. And it's like, wait, but what Jeremiah realizes is true for us. But the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble and they shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. But O Lord of hosts or God of armies that triest the righteous and seest the reins in the heart, let me see thy vengeance on them for unto thee have I opened my cause. And in verse 13, it's kind of like that, that place where you're like, I don't expect to hear this. He says, sing unto the Lord, praise ye the Lord for he hath delivered the soul of the poor from the hand of evildoers. And so what we see in Jeremiah is this, this man that is struggling with the call on his life, that is struggling with what God is asking to do because the world has come upon him and has beaten him and has threw him in stocks and he's like, Lord, I just don't understand it. I'm just going to stop speaking. And God's like, no. And so he carries on and what comes on the other side Amen. is worship. What comes on the other side is the reality that, 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 that God is there and God is faithful. And even if he describes it as he is mighty terrible one, even if it's something that we don't understand and is challenging, the one thing we always know is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His faithfulness in the Old Testament is the same faithfulness that we live with today. He is never ending and never failing, never lying, never leaving. He is the almighty creator and God of the universe. And he will never leave you as his child, even when times get tough. And so on the other side of it, and a lot of times we don't understand this kind of worship because we never push through to the other side. We never persevere, so, so many times we don't persevere to the end, we dodge and avoid. And God says, I want you to go right through. I'm not asking you to dodge and avoid. I, I am sending you right into the valley of the shadow of death. But I want you to know, fear no evil in there because I am with you, as it says in Psalm 23. He says, it wasn't my intention for you to take this path or this path. It's not your decision to make whether you need to go around or not. Maybe I want you to go into that valley because it's in the valley where you're going to grow the most. And then on the other side of the valley, yeah, there's a mountaintop over there. And on that mountaintop, maybe, maybe there's not a mountaintop, but there is a place on the other side that you'll realize that I was always with you, even in that valley. 
and you will worship. But not worship just because you, you have to. Worship because you can't help but do that because you've seen him in the valley. And you get to the other side and even though it doesn't make sense and you're like, Jeremiah, why would you, you it, this just, why are you singing even though it doesn't make sense? Jeremiah saw who God was again and he sang. But just because he did that doesn't mean that he still didn't struggle. As you read through the rest of the chapter, you see that he questions even being born. So, so church, today, let me just say this, that you may think, why, why am I going back and forth? Why am I struggling? Why is this such a battle? And you may think, this must be only me. I want to tell you and hear this this morning. It's not only you. Okay, there, there, there is a battle that we're facing. There is an enemy and there is a mission and a call from God on your life. There, if you are a born again child of God, there is a purpose for him saving you. There is something that he wants you to do. He wants to use you as a part of his plan. And even though that enemy may try to target your mind and may try to convince you otherwise, don't listen to the enemy. You know that how special it is to be a child of God. Don't listen to the enemy. And, and the enemy always wants to, and he's so good at this, he always wants to deceive us into thinking uh, that, that we, this just must not be something we want to do. He wants to deceive us into thinking, and, and this is what I wrote down, the enemy deceives us into thinking the best option is to give up. And doesn't he do that? I mean, when it gets hard and the going gets hard and the battle is, is tough and the mud is deep and you're like, it's just easier if I lay down. And, and, and you justify that in your mind and you're like, this must be what I need to do. I just can't do it anymore. But here's the thing. He's not asking you to do it because in our strength, we can't do anything. But he says, I'll be your strength. So you don't have to. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'll see you through. Just like he told Jeremiah. He didn't tell Jeremiah it would be easy. Jeremiah may not understood that, hey, I'm going to be beaten for this, uh, but he never said it would be easy. He told him exactly what was coming, just like Jesus has done for us. He told us exactly what was coming. He told us we would be persecuted. He told us the world hated me, so they'll hate you. Jesus lined all that out for us so that when we go into this journey, we don't expect for it to be roses all the time. We expect there to be persecution. We expect there to be trouble. But he also set another example for us. And I want to finish here in John 18. And I want you to see the example that Jesus set for us. Because so many times, it's our tendency to say, well, I just don't know what I need to do. I feel like it's easier to quit. But if ever there's someone we should follow in the scripture, it's this fellow named Jesus. And in John 18, Jesus says this in the garden of Gethsemane. He says this. You know, they were coming to get him and, and Peter was doing the whole chopping ear thing. He had uh, taken up another profession and that was grabbing a sword and cutting people's ears off for a moment. And, and so all that was going on and, and Jesus says these words in, in John 18, verse number 11. Then said Jesus unto Peter, put up thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? God had given Jeremiah, a mission that was unlike most other missions that were given out, right? 
And God had given a Jeremiah a mission specifically for, for him. He had called him from his mother's womb and he had given him a very challenging mission as a prophet to go into a people that wouldn't hear and, and to tell them about the judgment of God, to cry out to them, to try to get them to come back to God, get them to realize what they had done. It was a voice of God in his incredible faithfulness, even though there'd been hundreds of years of disobedience, but God was still there. And Jeremiah comes into this group and he says, this is my mission and I've got to do it. They hit him. They put him in stocks. He comes out and he carries on with it. And then he hits a wall and he says, Lord, I'm done. I'm done. And God says, no, you're not. Because God is the one that says when the mission is over, we don't make that call. So it burned within him until he started proclaiming again because God wasn't done with the mission. As long as you and I have breath in our lungs, we have breath for his glory, right? We have have breath for a purpose. It It may shift and seasons may bring different places, but as long as God leaves us here, he leaves us here for his purpose and for his glory because he is the king of kings and lord of lords and he calls the shots, not us. So there's never a time when we, we can say, listen, God, I'm done. I've done it long enough. I've suffered at so many people's hands. I'm just going to lay it down. There is never a time when we're called to do that on this earth. It doesn't matter our age. I have visited people that were in their 80s and 90s and couldn't even walk, but they were diligent prayer warriors. They were diligent to be in their word. They were diligent to share Jesus with whoever came by their room. They may not have been stable on their feet. They may not have could have yelled out to the top of their lungs anymore and proclaimed the gospel, but they were not done for their king because they still had breath in their lungs. If ever there's an example of what this looks like, we find that in Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't done until he proclaimed it was done. He literally told us when it was, didn't he? On the cross he hung, it is finished. But until he said that, the mission wasn't complete. There were all kinds of attacks from the enemy. It started at the very beginning of his ministry. In Matthew 4, when he was led into the wilderness, and who's there? That old devil was there. From the very beginning, it started right there. But Jesus didn't stop and get deterred because the devil, he preached to the devil. He told him the truth of scripture and the devil fled from him. He wasn't done just because the devil attacked, but it didn't stop there. Every step of the way, it seemed like there were people that were trying to mock Jesus and catch him in a fall. All along the way, there were people there. If ever there was someone that could have said, God, I'm done, it would have been him. God, I'm not going to die for these people that don't appreciate it, that don't love you, that are going to reject you, and I know every heart that is coming at me. But his mission wasn't done. And God doesn't call us to half a mission. He wants our life. He didn't call the disciples. There were disciples that thought that they would give up on the mission. You remember in Matthew or John 21 when when Jesus died and rose and, and they went back to fishing? What did Jesus do? He showed up and said, Peter, do you love me? Whoo, from the Savior, that'd be tough, wouldn't it? I'm gonna fix you breakfast first because I'm gonna make it soft at the beginning, but then I'm coming at you hard, right? I'm gonna fix you breakfast and then I'm gonna ask you, did you, do you love me? 
Over and over in the scripture, you find that there are people that get this mentality that our mission is done and we can stop and we can relax. And all the while, the moment that we relax, guess who's not relaxing? The enemy isn't relaxing. The, 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 the agenda of the enemy is, pers- is, is carrying on because his time's limited. And so don't think that just because you and I think that our mission can be stopped or halted, that the enemy's going to stop. I think we see it in America, don't we? As the church kind of backs off the truth some and becomes a little soft skin, what does the enemy do? It advances on the territory. Look at our schools. Look at our culture. Look at our world, folks. Right? Church, look at it. Look at the direction we're going. And all of us probably look at it and we say, I would have never have thought that. But so many times we get so complacent or we can because we think, oh, well, we're doing pretty good. But God didn't ask for your pretty good. God wants your all. And he wants your all all the way to the end. Jesus, even when they mocked him, he didn't stop. All the way to the garden, we find him praying and crying and sweating like drops of blood because he knew what was coming in the cross. And even in that moment when it would have been easier to say, call the angels down, take me away, Jesus says, shouldn't I drink this cup? that my father's given me because the mission was not done. Jesus set the ultimate example for you and I about what it means to be in the will of God. And, let me, and, and all the while he was preaching like the Beatitudes, he was teaching these ways. And you say, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied or filled. And you say, Jesus, how can you say that when you know what's coming? Here's the final thing. Our circumstance and the tribulation that we face doesn't define who we are. We are defined by our relationship with God. We, we, we do not... We do not go at this and say, listen, if, if I'm going through bad stuff, I must be doing bad things. If I'm going through good stuff, I must be doing good things. That's not how that works. Even if you're fired up for Jesus, you're probably going to go through bad things. You're probably going to be attacked. Most certainly you are. Even if you're a prophet of the Almighty God or the son of the Almighty God, you're not exempt from suffering and struggle, nor am I. But here's the beauty in it all. Is that we serve a father who's faithful in the valley of the shadow of death. And when that enemy, let that enemy, when that enemy comes, when that difficulty comes, when that, uh, when that sudden thing happens and we don't understand and we're asking all the questions and we're thinking, what, what is going on? What, why is this happening? Look at Job. Why, why, is, why am I going through this? We have to remember that our main purpose on this earth is not our well-being. It is the glory of the almighty God. And if I need to suffer, and as scary as it is to even say this, if I need to suffer to bring him glory, then let the suffering come. Because the mission is not, how can I make life the best for Daniel? The mission is, how can I represent you in a way that brings glory to you, O holy Lord? It's not about Daniel. And it's so hard because we don't like it, and it's unpleasant, and we don't want it. But it really is not our call to make. 
because we're not in control, he is. And if he spared not his own son, but gave him for us all, we have to understand that that may come for us too. But I wanna tell you this, and I've read so many stories about martyrs. I believe with all my heart and soul that when it comes, he is there. And he is not just there a little bit, he is there a whole lot. He is everything in those moments in time. He is your strength. He is, it's just the difference is, is that you, you feel it then more because you don't have anything to grab onto. And the best place for you and I to be sometimes is a place where we don't have anything to grab onto except for the hem of his garment. Because then we don't try to come up with the solution. We don't try to have the answers. We don't try to make it up as we go and figure it out and go with our own way and our own method. We just say, Lord, I am, a ba- I am forsaking all that I know. Just let me touch the hem of your garment. And it's in that place where we find all the things that Jesus talked about, joy, peace, comfort, and it doesn't make sense in our minds because of this old fleshly mindset and thought process. How could you find that in that suffering? Because God's stronger than your suffering. And he's not a God that leaves when it gets hard. He's a God that lifts you up on wings like eagles, isn't he? When it gets hard, he's a God that, that, that will stay beside you that will be faithful. He's a God that will will never leave. He's a God, as we sang about, that is always present. And so even when it becomes so much, and we know that even for the Son of God, it was so much, yet he stayed true to the mission. And so the challenge for us is this, is that if God has called you to do something, you will not have peace, true peace, until you fall in line with the will of God. You won't have true peace until you fully surrender. And we become satisfied and we say, well, I can back off and I can give him part. I'll work my full-time job, but then I'll give God my part-time obedience. Ain't that what we do? But that's not what God has called us to, is it? God has called us to complete surrender, not part-time obedience. So Jeremiah, as we, as we close today, this is just what I want to challenge you with. The word of God says for Jeremiah that, that we as people, we go through so many different things as we process through God's plan for our life. And that's okay. It's okay for you to be frustrated. It's okay for you not to understand. Even the people of God did that. The people of God all throughout the Bible did that. Job did that. Peter didn't understand. Jeremiah didn't understand. Over and over again. It's okay for you to say, listen, I, don't, I, I just don't feel like I can do it anymore. I'm, I'm just, and, and get to the point that you're done, but God won't hopefully let you stay there. Uh, But it's okay to struggle in your mind and say, well, I know I need to, but why is it so hard for me to do it? It's okay. It happens. It's okay for you to say, God, I don't know why you're asking me to do something this hard. I don't get it. But the place that we need to end is this place where we say, regardless of what, what, what I think, I'm gonna trust your plan. 
Regardless of how uncomfortable this makes me, regardless of how much I want to run away, regardless of how much I want to say, I'm not going to speak anymore, regardless of all those things, God, you are more important to me than my feelings, than my fears, than my uncomfortability, or my, my being out of my comfort zone. You are more important than all those things because my mission for you is to bring you glory. And whatever you want me to do to bring you glory, God, I'm your man or woman. I'm yours. So will you tell God that today? Will you fall before him and say, Lord, listen, it's okay to feel like you're weak and unable to do it because we are. But our inability is his glory, isn't it? Because it's his praise and his honor and his glory because when we can't, we know that the only way that it happens is because he can Will you go to God today and say, God, I am yours. Whatever that means, whatever you need to do, whatever you're asking me to do, wherever you're calling me to, I don't want to hold anything back. I want to be in your will, no matter what that means for me, as long as it brings you glory. And let me tell you, it's a very unsettling thing to say. And we need not say it unless we mean it. But I believe that that's where true peace and true intimacy with God is found. When you're at a place that you forsake all of yourself and you just lay it all before him. If we, as we stand together today, heads bowed and eyes closed. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, even as I proclaim these words this morning, Lord, actually as your word proclaim these words, Father, I, I know that in my own prayer life, and you know this about me, Lord, that I have struggled mightily getting to a place where I'm just willing to say whatever because I know that could literally mean whatever. And just like Jeremiah, Lord, I can be so, I so often go back and forth in my mind and say, I know I need to be all in, but, but, but. Lord, we just desire to be a church that is all in for you. We desire to disciple people that are all in for you. We desire to be a voice that is all in for you, God, and, and whatever that means. And we don't always understand it all, or we don't have to, though, Lord because you prove yourself over and over again. You are the king, and we are the privileged servants of the king, children of the king. Lord, I pray that we would be a church that lays everything down and holds nothing back. Lord, you deserve our everything. And I pray for this time. Lord, maybe there's people here that have never given you anything. And today's the day that they need to lay it down. There may be people here today, Lord, that's trying to carry it all on their own. And they need to lay it down. There may be people here today, Lord, that, that's shying away from what they know you're asking them to do. Lord, and they need to lay it down. And Lord, even more than that, thank you for when we lay it down. For allowing us to take your yoke, Lord. For being our strength. 
when we're weary from trying to drag it around. You're so good to us. And we just pray, Lord, that we would just be surrendered for you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.